Let me guess, you want one too? Take the family to Disney Town? I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefris Initiative. This is the Herpeticulture Podcast, which is part of the Herpeticulture Network. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody. This is episode 121 of the Herpeticulture Podcast, which is part of the Herpeticulture Network, which also includes Herpeticulture Magazine, of which myself and Phil are a part of. Yes. Uh, I am Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. I am and Phil Wolf of the Nefresh Initiative. And the show is brought to you by Steve Snake Sharing's Venom Hot Sauces. You gotta get them. Bill Bradley got him some, and he loved them. Did he? He, also, he liked the Cottonmouth Sauce, too. I think that was one of his favorites out of all of them as well. Excellent. And Steve, I don't know if you saw the video I reposted earlier when he went and got a, he pulled a rat snake out of an old Navy. Like he had to go to old Navy, <laughs> a small rat snake in one of like the, the, the hangers of the shirts and stuff. Oh really? And like before he goes to go get it, he like literally drinks some of that hot sauce, like while he's driving. And I'm like, if that ain't the most Louisiana thing I've ever seen. Oh yeah. I saw it. What was, I don't know if it's his kid or his nephew Someone or something. Else, yeah. Pounded, pounding hot sauce in the backseat, <laughs> like a man. Love it. Did you see that rat snake that I guess was eating chicken eggs? Mm-hmm. That was crazy. I mean, that yeah. snake was five times the size. Dude, so. we were getting, when we had, my dad had chickens, we'd have monster yellow rats and they're eating eggs constantly. Like those suckers would, would down them. And how many times, how many times I've been to an old Navy and I've never seen a rat snake. Right. Go figure. The other Apparently, problem is, we're people that find pygmy rattlers in Walmart garden centers too, but we never get to see those. Dude, do you know how many garden centers, how many Walmart garden centers I went to when that happened? Because that was in Florida, and I was like, I'm going to go to every garden center, and I'm going to find me a dusky, and it didn't happen. I didn't, I, and I'm just like that guy looking around in pots. So like, everyone's like, "What's this guy doing? He must be high or something." Yeah, little snake hook in hand. Phil's in the garden center tripping balls again. Yep, yep, yep. That'll happen. That'll so, happen. Please check out Steve Snakeshuary. Um, he posted a video, like I said, today that showed what he does when you buy his hot sauces. You're supporting him as education, outreach, uh, actually rescuing and rehabilitating some animals. Uh, and then he has his own collection that he uses for education. Uh, and uh, if you buy his, his hot sauces and stuff, you're directly supporting him. And then Sean at MP Cages and Exotics. Uh, we obviously have to give him a shout out because Sean is the man. His cages are awesome. His racks are awesome. And I still need to get in touch with him about some cages for the heliderms. Yes. Yes. So, the beaded ones. Yes. I even have to talk to Reed about that and see where we're at. So Ribbed for your pleasure. As much as I want to bother Reed on a daily basis about him, I've been kind of just leaving him alone. So You're like, Reed, are they ready? Are they ready? Are they ready? <laughs> so he had a he had a clutch this year from them as well, right? That's cooking right now. Did he? Uh, I thought so. No, oh, I have no idea. Uh, we got to find that out. Yeah, I'm we hoping it it's soon because I would love to go up there and and see you know his other stuff and yeah, you know it'd be cool. So very much. But, so. Who are we joined by tonight? Tonight we are joined by the one and only Miss Katie Ward. Katie. Hello. So Katie is a dear friend of mine from, oof, we're like 15, 16 years now. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, Katie is quite the herper. She's had a hand in a little bit of everything. I can confidently speak for her saying that snakes are her MO, but if you, you name it, she's probably took care of it in some regard. And uh, we figured, why not bring her on and, you know, tell some stories. So what's up, Katie? What's up? It's good to talk herbs. I don't get to do that often, so. It's good. I think we do it almost too much. We do do it too much. That's what I rely on Phil for. <laughs> so, uh, Katie, why don't you uh, tell us, like, a little bit about yourself. Yeah, and, just uh, a quick background. Uh, yeah. Who you are and what you do, your well, involvement. Currently, uh, presently, I work at Disney Animal Kingdom. I <laughs> And Disney's uh, ectotherm team, as we are called, uh, they're currently changing some of the names and infrastructure, which Disney does all the time. But we're still the ectotherm team. Ectotherm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we take care of basically anything that's not warm-blooded. So uh, we have everything from some unique fish and lots of amphibians and random reptiles and lizard snakes. Few alligators here and there but currently uh they've just kind of changed us around and we actually are overseeing or in the process of overseeing everything at the park that's not cold or that's not warm-blooded except for the nile crocs unfortunately which are still on the uh the african ride the kilimanjaro safari ride so very cool our team but everything else we kind of are on in the process of starting to oversee if we didn't already oversee it. So that's pretty cool. Very cool. And I've I guess never like, actually been down there. I was going to say it sounds like, massive. A lot of people don't know that the animal kingdom is essentially a zoo it, it with, really with rides. Yeah. They won't, they won't admit that they're a zoo. They're saying that they're not a zoo. They're a theme park, but they're still a zoo. Kind of. <laughs> they're an AZA accredited facility. So I was just about, I was just about to ask that if they are AZA. Yeah, they are AZA. They are considered, you know, AZA standards. They basically push them up against Disney first. <laughs> Very cool. So now there's, I know there's like a safari that you can get on in terms of like, a, I don't want to say like a monorail or their trucks, right? They're like, they're like an open safari car. Okay. Obviously from COVID, they're slightly different. They have plastic walls in between the seats now, but they were completely open air. And now they're they're still open on the sides, um, and the animals are. It's like a free roaming safari uh, that you can see almost a wide variety of African species. Um, Very cool. Large fauna, I should say. I've uh, done the uh, what's the the place in West Palm? Isn't there another place? Uh, something? Yeah, I've been there. It's been about Ironically, years, years, but too. <laughs> yeah. not a country. I worked at the West Palm Beach Zoo. Oh, okay. Awesome. And then you guys at Animal Kingdom, there's a lot of small exhibits. and, and Yeah, and that's the thing is most people don't know that we're there. Um, we're kind of like in the mix of different areas. We've got some stuff in both the African Navy area. Uh, African Trail in Asia has a, the two sections of the zoo or the park have uh, walking trails that have like your large taxa. Um, that's where your tigers are going to be. Uh, hippos. Um there's like a copy and stuff on the Asia trail. We also have our Komodo dragons there and um, we have some smaller exhibits near the aviary or the bat 
the uh, flying fox bat exhibit has some small exhibits in it in Asia, and then in Africa we have the aviary, and there's we've got a bunch of fish in there now and small exhibits. Everything's kind of a little different than normal because of COVID. So some of our exhibits were moved so that there's no large crowds gathering and that kind of fun stuff. But hopefully we're slowly moving back to normal. Very cool. I like to think we're on the other side of where we're, we've, we've hit the peak and we're yeah, on the other side of the crest now and sort of working yeah. our way back to. Yeah, and Disney, I, I will have to say that I, I've felt safer at Disney than at the local grocery store. Really? <laughs> Disney really made their rules like a must must do for mm -hmm. staff and guests. And I felt like everybody pretty well kept them up. So that was nice. But yeah. Hopefully we're on the other side of wearing masks and all that eventually. So. Yeah, so I've, I've I've never been to, you know, Disney. I mean, well, I've been to, to Disney down there, but again, that was when I was like a very small kid, long before, uh, you know, Wild Kingdom was a thing. And um, I always imagined it was sort of just the bigger fauna. I wasn't really aware that they had herps and stuff like that. Is it like a zoo setup kind of deal where like there is the the rides and stuff, but then there's a separate sort of facility where you can walk around and check that stuff out? Well, it's, it's kind of interesting because, like, they're kind of, like, hidden. Like, if you didn't know that Disney was originally supposed to be an animal park with live animals, you can walk you, first 50 feet into the gates. There's animal exhibits that 90% of the people that walk by don't know they exist. Wow. Again, it's called the Oasis is the first section, which is my team is separated into three separate teams. And tree the tree of life and oasis is one of them and they take care of the animals around the, the main spectacle which is the tree of life obviously which is like carved animals and stuff um the disney nerd in me would tell you there's over 400 carved different animals in there um and uh there's exhibits all the way around the tree and there is a walking path that you can do that you can see these animals there's um our tree team has our uh, juvenile galops in there that are pretty cute and uh, some smaller animals. We have uh, the whole concept of that section is supposed to be, you know, it's the tree of life. So everything migrates there or goes, it's the Mecca, the go-to. Um, so it doesn't matter regionally where they are. So unlike a lot of zoos where like you have to be in South America and you only see South American animals. This one is like our kangaroo exhibit has kangaroos. It has um, a type of vulture I'm trying to remember. Uh, very large vulture. Uh, I can't remember the name of them and another type of bird in there with them that are all from all over because obviously Africa, Australia, you know, um, we have wallaby, there's anteater, there's babarusa, which I find pretty cool, even though they're not a herb. Um, and uh, we had a, a baby babarusa on our team this year. So she's kind of cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So there's, awesome. there's things all over. They're just kind of hidden exhibits and you, they don't look like they're in cages. They're not gonna look like they're in uh like pens they're they're hidden to look like they're in the wild in the woods but they're in mode exhibits or barrier exhibits that you may not realize there are barriers between them even out on the savannah on the kilimanjaro ride which um it'll look like the lions can get to the antelope and the giraffe but it's really very intricate and very interestingly well done moats and different hidden uh jungle stuff and hidden electric uh what looks would be electric fences in most places these are like trees and vines and grass that are 
to keep animals from crossing certain areas. Wow. That's awesome. Oh. I mean, I would imagine an operation like that, you know, they've, they've obviously put some thought and, and stuff into okay. it, you know, it's not going to, they're not going to, they're not going to cut any corners with it. They're going to yeah. go all out. Yeah, and oh, it, yeah. original plans for that place was actually even supposed to have two separate safaris on it originally, one being, you know, Asian, one being African. And uh, they didn't realize just how taxing it could be to make exhibits look that good and that interconnected and mm -hmm. not how much space it would take. So when they got the animal people in to start saying, well, you can't do that. Um, it, right kind of changed the original plans but we're about to hit we just hit 25 years of disney or animal kingdom being open which blows my mind because i remember coming when it was just opening and i was like eight <laughs> yeah i didn't think it was even that old i thought it was more like yeah, you know, 15 or so 98 wow and i always forget how you are a super and i mean this is the most respectful way possible you are the quintessential disney nerd Mm -hmm. And it must be so cool to work for Disney doing animals and love Disney, you know? Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting because, like, not all of us are like that. Like, I work with a bunch of people about 50-50, depending on who you talk to. Some of us are animal nerds that just happen to work at Disney, and some of us are animal nerds and Disney nerds and work at Disney. So the, the nerd level is real high. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So it's got to so be nice because I'm sure they have a they have a budget that absolutely blows most zoos out of the water. Yeah, I mean, be... it definitely. I have a different perspective um, going from uh, my my personal career started at very small zoos, and then ending up at Disney. Not only is it financially sustainable compared to most small zoos, um, it is definitely a different world there and the things that some might complain about if they've only ever worked at Disney. If you've worked at a small zoo, you're like, this isn't an issue. This is fun. Yeah. You've got the sort of the perspective. Yeah. So I, I really do appreciate that here. So right now work is work is my happy, my happy little escape from being, you know, the house cleaner, the mom of a toddler and all that fun stuff. <laughs> cool. So we originally were asking, uh, Give us give us a little backstory. How, how do we wind up? How do we get to where we are now with, with all of your endeavors? I was a weird creature nerd since I was a little kid. I grew up in the mountains in a very small town, uh, up in the uh, Adirondack State Park in New York, which New York is bigger than just the city. We're about we're almost eight hours from New York City where I grew up, and the population of the whole town when I was a kid was about six hundred people year round. So wow. really tiny. I graduated in a large class of eight people um so in the mountains where i grew up it was you played outside that's what you did i mean you know we didn't have cell phones until i was late teenager um so i played outside the mud and the the trees and the woods uh the, the mountains were my backyard and so i had all kinds of creatures in my backyard i mean deer black bear uh we had moose as I got older. They started coming back. Wolves, coyotes. Um, we even saw mountain lions up there. Um, all kinds of stuff. And me being the weird one, I would like to dig in the mud and play with salamanders and 
toads and the occasional, uh, I found the occasional uh, garter snake up there, but I've only found about three in my entire life up there. Um, Still cool. They're, they're difficult to find at an elevation of about two to 3,000 feet. It's not a whole lot of herps. Uh, our summer season's about six weeks long, so that's the only time it's warm. Um, supposedly, the southern part of our county, the county I grew up in is called Hamilton County. It's one of the largest in New York. The southern part of the county is supposed to have timber rattlers. I personally have never seen them, but it would be cool to find one. But, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. way farther down the mountain than us. So I, I played with the weird things. My friend and I would meet between our two houses about three miles apart and jump in a beaver pond and come home with pocketfuls of little salamanders. Um, and they would be dangling from her fingers with their little paddle tails and stuff. And red <laughs> and a lot of those. So mostly what I played with when I was young was probably amphibians. But at the time, I didn't realize I was going to go into this field. I wanted to play with animals. I always said I wanted to be a vet. And then I realized your relationship with your doctor is not very good. So I'd rather have the positive <laughs> with animals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the one that pokes them all the time. So I, I started uh, looking into what to do. Um, fast forward to like senior year, junior year of high school. I went out and stayed with my brother who was out in Rochester, New York, and I volunteered at a zoo, uh, their education mobile, uh, the Seneca Park Zoo. And that's where I found out from a keeper there about Santa Fe College, which at the time when I went was a community college and I happened to get accepted right out of high school, and I did my two and a half years there, or two years there, 20 months. Um, and that's a very focalized, basically, trade school for zookeeping. Everything you need to know from trail maintenance to enrichment training, diet prep, everything you need to know about animals, a baseline for how to become a zookeeper. Very hands-on and still do your basic college work. So that's where I went from there. And then somewhere along the line, I fell in love with snakes and crocs. Um, but snakes, I probably fell in love with on a family vacation. I went to uh, Reptile Land in Myrtle Beach. Really? And, yeah. I was probably like 12, maybe. And it was some show. I vaguely remember they had me touch or hold a lavender um, California king snake. And I never forgot it. Like, I just thought it was the coolest feeling thing. I was so soft and it was just chill. And they just like put it in my hands and that was it. Ever since then, my mom was like, don't you want to work with butterflies? I was like, no, <laughs> I want to play with snakes. Do you, so, do you have a picture of that or no? I wonder if my mom does. It would have to be like back in the books somewhere. I should probably try to find that. Yeah, you, you got it. Yeah. I've got a picture of me with a Burmese python. It was probably one of my f the first experiences with snakes like I ever had, and it's hanging on my fridge right now. That's it's cool. crazy. Like I, I, it's weird how vividly I remember that though, because it was yeah. when my sister was in 4-H, and there was some guy there with with this berm, and it wasn't a massive one. It was a decent sized one, but it wasn't a baby. And uh, I don't know. I just remember like the smell and I remember how dark it, like it was in like this tented thing. And so it was pretty dark, but I don't know. I just, it's weird how you can remember details like that, but yeah, that's the, that's the oldest picture I know of, of, of anything with me herp related. And yeah. I have to find if I have a picture of me with that. That'd be cool. 
It's funny well, how nothing changes in yeah. 25 my, years. My mom was is is anti-snake, you know? And, like, she always makes jokes like, oh, where did you come from? But, like, I found that one picture of me as a child with a rubber cobra in the basket and my underwear on my head, like a, like a turban. And, like, I, I have pictures of me at the Philadelphia Zoo with, I don't know if you remember, they may still sell them at, they may sell them at Animal Kingdom for all I know, but it was a plastic cobra that was like chain links and they interconnected and you would hold the tail and you would wiggle it back and forth and the snake would, you know, slither back and forth. I had those every time we went to the zoo. I had to, I had to get one, you know? So nice. Hook them while they're young. So now you would, uh, uh, we're, we're, we're at college in the story now. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. And, uh, like I said, you get a baseline for everything there. I'd always actually, not knowing that I would like reptiles as much as I do, um, I wanted to go into large carnivores. I really liked tigers. Um, and oddly enough, I really liked marine creatures, but of course, the weird ones. Because the one picture I do know we have of me is as a little kid, I was probably eight. And I was at a touch tank outside a restaurant in Maine telling people how to identify insects, uh, lobsters, and crabs, and lumpfish. And yelling at this little kid next to me because she miss she called it a Mr. Lobster and it was a Mrs. Lobster. And there's a picture of me holding the lobster. There's also a picture of me and me trying to give the whale watch presentation for the whale watch lady. That nerd. Yeah, those were the things I did when I was real little when we used to vacation in Maine. But yeah, I always thought I would go into big carnivores. So I was looking for a job with uh, actually tigers um and stuff like that and then while in college i started to like birds a lot so we're getting closer to reptiles and uh i went for a job at the uh, st augustine alligator farm for actually birds and mammals and when i got to the interview they said okay we have a position in birds and mammals and we have a position in reptiles which would you like which would you be more interested in? and i was like I thought I was going to go for birds, but, you know, I really know least about reptiles, and I'm really interested in them, and I remembered the snake, and I just loved the alligators there that you could see when you walk in, and I was like, I'll go for the reptile one, and they gave it to me. I was there for three and a half years-ish, and then that's where snakes and crocs became my heart and soul. That's Nice, nice. That was, that was, that was the kickoff, and that's where I've been ever since. I fell in love with... Uh, Crocs and gharials. Gharials became my big thing. Indian gharials there and venomous is what I worked a lot there. Um, and all different species at one point between me and a roommate or two, we had like 30 or 40 venomous in our house on top of. So now, well, didn't you work for Glades Herb for a while too? No, I never worked for Glades. We would go like get, uh, exchange animals there and like visit there. But no, I didn't work for Glades personally. Um, we, oh, okay. we, we definitely field trip there a lot. Um, but no, I didn't work there. Yeah. Cause uh, you, you know, Cody and Pia quite well. Yes. Yes, I do. Um, I yeah. knew Cody, uh, before he knew Pia, I know Cody, <laughs> um, when he was working at the alligator farm and prior to working at the alligator farm. Um, yeah. So we would just same circle of people. Um, I will say we are, I was, I've been talking to Pia the last couple of days. We have a particular event coming up before Daytona that we are very excited to unveil. Really? Something with with Carpet Fest-ish <laughs> vibes. I was going to say, I thought that was coming up soon. 
Interesting. Interesting. I'm a little upset that I'm not included in this circle. Well, this she literally just called me on her way home the, like yesterday to talk about it. She's like, I just had an idea and I'm driving and I figured I'd call you and talk to you about it. So I was like, okay. So you've, you've had like 18 hours to tell me I'm, I have, I'm, I'm a little yeah. buttered. I won't lie. Well, we don't, I didn't have a whole lot of details yet, but okay. just before we started recording, I was actually you'll be going okay. back and forth. With it. Yeah, you'll be all right. I will do this selfless plug. Um, both the Rattlesnake Conservancy and the Reptile Preservation Institute are doing a charity drive for stopping rattlesnake roundups. So it, you can actually go to, <clears throat> excuse me, you can go to either one of their websites or either one of their pages and you can make a donation where they'll actually give you some, some pretty badass swag. Uh, you can get a shirt and some sunglasses, uh, a carry bag, and all the proceeds go to helping put a stop to rattlesnake roundups. So definitely check out the Rattlesnake Conservancy and uh, the Reptile Preservation Institute. So sorry, keep going. Him. <laughs> we still talking about me? Yeah, yeah. We, we we got some time. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So, so so you're one of the only people that have ever worked with every single species of crocodilian, correct? I don't know one of the only, but yeah, if you go through the alligator farm, that's that's one of the the things. I was to say they're one of the only ones. In the yeah, country, if not the world, right? I don't know if I don't know what the, the statistics are now, but when I was there, it was one of only two facilities um, in the world. Wow! Yeah, and out of all of them, what was your favorite one to to work with? I, I gotta love my gharials, man. I uh, my gharials took me a lot of places. I got to do some uh, training with them. They're really neat creatures. They're very different from the rest of the crocs out there. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, well, they're finding now there's a lot of paternal care, which is really cool. You can find mm -hmm. a male in the wild with a hundred babies just sitting on his back chilling. And they got that like cool, like gara going on their nose. Like that's just the neatest thing. And it did take me, said it took me places to, to love gharials. I ended up going from, uh, Florida, St. Augustine. When I, when I left there, I actually went to work in Texas for a little while at the Fort Worth Zoo. And it just wasn't really working out for me there for a number of reasons. And uh, I hooked up with uh, Romulus Whitaker, who's a big croc guy, obviously, and naturalist over in India. Yeah, and if you listen to this show and don't know who Rom Whitaker is, right? You, you, you got to Wikipedia do some or Google. something. Yeah, yeah you, you got to get on the Google. He's like the doc from Back to the Future. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. I mean, it's what he does. He does. He's totally the nicest, chillest dude. I mean, like, we uh, we, we landed, uh, me and a good friend of mine, Brooke uh, Saxon, she and I went and lived in India for almost six months and worked for him. Just, we literally emailed him and said, dude, if we get there, can, can you, can we work for you? And he said, I'll put you up. You just buy your ticket. And uh, we we dropped what we were doing, uh, much probably to our family's dismay, and we just <laughs> we we bounced for like almost six months living in India. How long was that flight? It was twenty three and a half hours. It was a long day. Yeah, <laughs> and there are some fun stories there. Let me tell you. Um, when we landed, it was about two in the morning. It was like a hundred degrees. It was sweaty and hot. And no one spoke any English. And we were two white chicks with blue eyes and blonde hair. And we were like Mickey Mouse to them. Because Might as well have been on the moon. Right? Like they were like, 
oh my gosh, blue eyes, blonde hair. Can you, can we take a picture with you? Like, Are you an albino? They would hand us their children <laughs> and say, auntie, auntie, and have us like. Sign your, <laughs> can you sign my baby like Ricky Bobby? <laughs> sign my baby, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, ma'am. Definitely unique. Um, so it was it was interesting, and we were just looking for a dude with a sign that said Croc Bank, and we're like, well, my God, I hope this is the right guy because we're getting in a, you know, <laughs> getting in a car with him. <laughs> um, it's two o'clock in the morning, and this very nice man um, can't remember his name. It's been eleven years since I've been there, so. Um, and uh, he got in the car, and we're just sitting in the back seat, like white knuckle holding the seats as he's driving. I don't know how fast. And this is a road that's only two lanes with both fast cars, push cars, rickshaws, oxen, cows, uh, tuk tucks, bikes, bus. Yeah, right? Tuk tucks. Uh, and uh, yeah, people on bikes, like just. Going all at the same speed, I swear. Just control chaos. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And I just remember sitting in the back of the seat and uh, looking at my friend Brooke and we're looking for it. And there's a dog standing in the middle of the road. And we're like, oh shit, we're going to hit it. Like, he's going to hit it. We're like, oh God, he's not even slowing down. Oh God, oh God. And like, I swear we must have missed this dog by like a hair and just flew right by him and we were like oh shit <laughs> like <laughs> it was, and we were also like drunk tired because we'd been up for like 20 yeah, hours yeah i'm sure the the it was jet crazy. lag and everything was just horrible it was nuts and then we get there we literally they drive us down this dark driveway and i don't even know how to explain it but just a sandy dirt road into the trees pitch black and knowing that there are at least a dozen pens full of crocodiles hoping we don't step in the wrong one. Um, they're like, oh, yeah, your house is just that way. And they just kind of pointed. There was no welcoming committee. There was just, here you are in the dark. Go. Watch out for Russell's Vipers and Crates. Right? We're like, wear um, covered shoes. Okay. Yeah, no, you don't really wear shoes when you're there much. I know. Some people get bit. <laughs> Yeah, we didn't wear shoes much. I didn't get bit. We're good. Um, you guys didn't wear shoes the entire six months. Pretty much, no. Yeah, because I every so often you guys would get cell service and you guys would send me like goofy selfies or you know pictures of some bird you saw, yep. and every single picture you guys from the ankles down is just jet black. Yep. <sighs> just barefoot jungle oh, girls. Most of the places you can't go in with your shoes on, anyways. Everybody wears flip flops. Mm. The scientists, and they were like, "Jump in!" And like, we woke up. To, we got maybe like four or five hours of sleep, and they woke us up. And they're like, "So, the gharial eggs are hatching. Do you want to see it?" And we were like, "What? What? What?" Like, I'm pretty sure before they got the sentence out, we were like sprinting to where these eggs were hatching. And we were just in there, like, holding these baby gharials, like, oh, my God. Like, oh, my God. It was, like, yeah, it was crazy. Like, I You're think still it was, speechless. It's been 11 years. You're still speechless. I know. It was the coolest thing because that is something you can't say that happens a lot in this country. Since mm -hmm. just a few years ago, we've never had gharials in this country, baby-wise. So, it is was it because they're difficult to reproduce in captivity? There's a lot of... 
just uh, speculation as to uh, to some of the setup that you have to have. I mean, in the wild, their uh, flood level is like 60 feet. So like the female will climb to the top of this bank and lay her eggs and the water will rise. And by the time her eggs are hatching, the water has risen. Oh. And who knows if that has something to do with it. Mm-hmm. But I know that they've had a lot of struggles with not only that, but getting a male large enough and big enough to breed has been an issue because I mean, they're naturally like 18 to 20 feet. There's not a lot of places wow. almost fully aquatic. So there's not a lot of places that can house that kind of setup mm-hmm. and still have the setup for breeding to have two and three animals in a setup that are that large. So right. it's, it's been a challenge. I know St. Augustine recently did it, which is pretty awesome. And they have a couple of babies that have survived. So that's, that's pretty awesome. Has, has anyone tried the the flood level thing? Like, has anyone made an enclosure that is, you know, five foot deep at the bottom and then has an embankment that gets up to 60, 70 feet? Has anyone actually tried that? I don't even know if that's like the resources you need. For something. I don't know how you would do it without it like just falling apart. Like it yeah. have to be compact enough for them to be able to get it without it being like loose so that it all just falls yeah. in. Right. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I just figure like they can get whale sharks in a tank. You know what I mean? Yeah, but like, a tank's solid. Like that's a bowl that holds water. And this is like an embankment. That's true. Very I true. saw those 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 whale sharks at the Georgia Aquarium. They're not like full grown. They're small, man. Yeah. Uh, okay. They don't even come close to how big those things get in the wild. Like they're well, yeah. they're young. <clears throat> I got gotcha. you. Because I was all pumped to see them and stuff, and then I saw it and I was like. Like still the cool. size of, it's very cool, but I was still, I was like, that ain't a whale. It's, it's, a, it's like the size of two dolphins put together. Yeah, so it's like, it's like a 13, 14 foot, not 30 foot. I don't even think it was that, that long. Oh, really? Oh, wow. All right. Yeah, it was just, I don't know. That's like their big claim to fame. And so I was all pumped to see it. And then I was kind of like, hmm, yeah, it's cool, but it's neither here nor there. So, if I remember correctly, you guys you guys were doing a ton of Gariel stuff and a bunch of other croc stuff, but you guys barely saw any snakes when you were there. And they're like they they wouldn't let you go herping, right? Oh no, we went herping. Uh, we went herping. We just had to often go with the guided tours because it because of cultural reasons, because it's just dangerous to walk alone in the area there. And we weren't yeah. near a forest. We were in scrubland basically. So we were on the southeastern side of India. It's a little town called um, uh, Vinatamali is the name of the town. It's uh, near a very frequented European tourist town called uh, Malapuram, which is basically a hippie pot-smoking... Commune? Yeah. (laughs) There smokes weed and drinks and gives you food and offers to marry you. That's exactly what happened. All right. Oh, Brooke, I do remember she got a lot more marriage proposals than I do. So, than I, <laughs> they would go up to Brooke and they would say, I make you many babies, many sons. You marry me, many sons. Wow. We, of course, ran away from that. But <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely a cultural experience, to say the least. Um, but there's some pretty great uh, scientists there and then trying to the dynamics of working with the local village was interesting because the village literally survives around the whole village is just 
this little park, which is only like maybe two acres. I don't even know. I don't even remember the specs, but uh, it's a small little park. It had 13 species of crocodilians and a variety of other small things. Um, they had a pair of caiman lizards, like some arowana, which would all, excuse me, live together. And like we did, we would go in the water with the caiman lizards and do like target training, like waist hmm. deep in water with caiman lizards as we were going and climbing outside to catch them their food of these giant apple snails and hand them their food. Like we would just, they would slaughter a cow and just chop it up and throw it into these pens full of crocodiles. And I mean like all of the cow. So like, you could, when you went to the zoo at the croc bank, you could buy a bucket of parts of cow and <laughs> nice the pen of 2000 little crocodiles, anywhere from four to six feet long, mugger crocodiles everywhere. Um, it was kind of a, a sad story when I was there just because the government had said, yes, breed mugger crocodiles, we'll re release them. And then they said, oh no. You, they were about the crocodiles were about four to six feet long, and then the government goes, "Just kidding, you can't release them." But now you have to provide health and well-being for them for the rest of their lives, and wow. they have thousand mugger crocodiles, palustris, so, um, and they won't release them because they think it'll affect tourism. So really, yeah. So that was the story when we were there. You know, I don't know where it went from there. Um, but yeah, it was it was kind of sad because these poor animals now they don't have the space for them as they're getting bigger. They're running out of mm -hmm. space. There was talk of them buying more land to just house these guys for their lifespan because it was literally they're crawling all over each other like pen full of cattle. Um, and like these really it was really interesting because the women there did all the heavy lifting and all the like manual dirty work, and the men protected them. So the men who by the way wore skirts called lungies. They were just, they wore skirts and a polo shirt, basically. And Very interesting. Big, long bamboo uh, uh, stick. I should have brought you one back, though. That's all right. I remember you, you brought me back a, a crocodile teeth, which I thought was awesome. I still have them. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, they had a bamboo stick, and that's what they protected the women who were doing the work. And they put, we had to muck one of their ponds. So they're just dug out sand pits, basically. And the big adult male and female uh, mugger crocodile live in this one. And we had to dig it out. And you literally basically took what I saw as a hubcap and they bent it into the shape of a bowl. And then they had a piece of metal that almost looked like a spade shovel. And they bent that and made a little handle. So it was only like this big. And that, really? was, and that was your scoop in your bucket. And then they did an assembly line of women up the bank to hand the mud out and go back down and Brooke and I would get yelled at for being wrestlers and bodybuilders because we were putting too much mud in the bucket at once. So it was too heavy. Um, wow. They want it to take three days to do this because the faster it takes, the less labor they have to get paid for because the whole village survives on being paid by the hour. So if the work's done, then, then them and all their literally sandbag it. Yeah. yeah. Them and all their cousins can't come to work that day because there's no work to be done. So we were working wow. together. And also the water was disgusting. Some of the other uh, uh, American and European uh, people that were volunteering with us, one of them like blew an eardrum because he got just a little bit of water in his ear and completely like the next day his ear was bleeding. Like it was so like gross water. Wow. Jeez. 
We each uh, survived most of the time with no issues. Uh, my friend got dehydrated at one point, and I got pretty gnarly uh, food poisoning right at the end, right? Like a few weeks before we were leaving, I was down and out for about six days. Felt like someone was killing me, but uh, I survived. Lost about 45 pounds, but, you know, it's a great weight loss plan. <laughs> yeah, you- COVID worked great for me for that. <laughs> I think COVID's supposed to have the opposite effect. <laughs> The, uh, you guys had a bunch of uh, inoculations and stuff, too, before you went, for, like, malaria yeah. and all kinds of stuff. Our, our parents wouldn't let us go without those. But, yeah, we got – I got, ended up a total of 14 shots total. Wow. Uh, but we got everything except for yellow fever because yellow fever is not there. It's – we got everything else. <laughs> Did you hear the, that episode of NPR that Nipper talked about getting malaria? Of course. I was one of the narrators. Oh, that's right. You were in it. I forgot. <laughs> I was in it. I was listening to that the other day, dude. That sounds so intense. Yeah. And it's crazy because that's at this point, like that's such an easily curable thing. And I don't, I don't know. He said he had like the tablets that he took, but I guess they didn't work the way they were supposed to. Or it was some sort of variety that was completely yeah. immune to that. It's just, it's, it was nuts. It, it, listening to him talk about it, man, it's different, crazy. Different types of malaria medication. I know what I want. You could have gotten an injection. There was like a daily pill. There was a weekly pill. There was like a twice a day pill. I think I had the daily pill and I was really bad about taking it. So I just got very lucky. <laughs> but like, yeah, like, and some of the pills like really react poorly with you. Like, I know one of them makes you basically completely like you're on shrooms. They, I was told. Yes. Like, yes. Hey, like, yeah, that's that's what Marcus used to take in Africa. Yeah, your dreams and stuff are like crazy fucked up. Like, I'm just here to kill the bacteria. I don't. <laughs> this, this isn't what I wanted. Yeah, it can cause all kinds of crazy side effects. But yeah, we had random things. Like, uh, we found a lot of interesting stuff. And uh, there's a cool lizard there called a. Well, it's called a colonus. Was what we called it. Um, I think it's a garden lizard there is like the layman's term, but I think Colonus has to do with its genus. Um, I don't know what its actual genus species is, but they were really cool. They were like mini, almost like an Asian water dragon crossed with a iguana, but it was only about, you know, six, eight inches, but the males were like yellow and orange, like black stripes, bright colored with big spikes. They were pretty cool. And we would watch a shikra come down and grab them out of the like the hut next to us and go eat it in the tree. Wow. That's awesome. There, there were birds. There were a lot of different snakes. We found some really cool. I liked the wolf snake a lot. He was pretty cool. And the, uh, uh, what was it called? Uh, keel snake. That was pretty cool, too. Found a lot Very of cool. sand boas just under the sand. It looked like something out of the movie Tremors. And nice. Just see him like plowing through the sand, and it was like this three foot long sand boa. That's awesome. You see any of the ornamental tarantulas at all? I didn't see any tarantulas when I was there, except for the well. There was an, an Indian ornamental tarantula that my one of my coworkers had as a pet mm-hmm. in his in his office. So he was pretty cool. But uh, the weird thing that we found there, of all things, we found. Oh, nice. <laughs> Uh, we found um, a turtle washing up on the beach while we were swimming in the ocean. Oh, that was cool, too. We did see some sea crates. We had nice. dogs, sea crates we had to avoid swimming from. 
but yeah, uh, we were like, what is that? We're like, is that a sea turtle? And we go over to it and this really fucked up looking red-eared slider washes up. <laughs> Dead serious. This thing is so weird. Look at it. its shell was curved up. And oh. it all funky shaped. It had white shit coming out of its eyes and nose and butt. Like it was I wonder so if it was like the salt or something in the water. Yeah, I'm sure it was. And I mean, looking back now, I know it was the salt. And we basically like went across the street and bought a, an infant bathtub and like stuck him in that in our little house for the next few weeks and nursed him back to health. And then secretly somebody we, we knew there took it in. But you're not allowed to have foreign animal, non-native animals as mm-hmm. pets you're not allowed to own or keep any part of any animal. So like all over the beach are cuttlefish bones. You can't keep them. You can't touch them. You're not supposed to take feathers, teeth. So I had a gharial tooth necklace from when I worked at the alligator farm. And they kept telling me not to wear it because they could put me in jail if they thought I had taken it from a local. Mm -hmm. So like it's stuff like that. Like some of the rules there are just crazy. I know religion has a lot to like there's... Yeah, you know, they have so many deities for different animals and stuff like that. I, yeah. It seems like the you know things are sacred for the most part. They don't. Yeah. So, but we did go out on a few uh, hunts with the Arula tribe. They're a tribe of people that live there. That um, basically they worked with Rob Whitaker as well, and uh, they would go out and they will find these venomous snakes, and they show people how they milk them, and they do all that there, and they milk the snakes, and they do shows. And uh, the basically the big four is the um, the Russell's viper, the sawscale viper, the cobra, a uh, spectacle cobra, and the um, what's the one I'm forgetting? Uh, the uh, banded crate. Bungarus. Yeah, banded crate. And uh, yeah, which is funny because apparently the crate is calm during the day if you catch it, and at night it's like on speed and wants to kill you. Yeah, there's like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing going on there. Everything I've heard. We found two of those on property. And then the most of the snakes we found on property were uh, the vine snakes. We would they would say, call the white girls to come play with the vine snake because everybody was afraid of snakes there. And they would be falling out of the trees on like guests. And so they'd go call the blonde girls to come grab the vine snake. (laughs) That's awesome. So but yeah, we, we did find, we never got to find a Russell's Viper, which we would have really liked. We did find the shed of one. Um, we, were, we were trailing one. We found a Spectacle Cobra. We found a Saw Scale Viper and two crates when we were there. So those were pretty cool. Uh, but that Irula tribe, they're amazing. They can literally look at a scuff in the sand and say, oh, seven foot Cobra right over there. And you're like, sure walk around the corner, they'll stick their hand down a hole up to their elbow or up to their shoulder and pull out a seven-foot cobra. And just like that. Like, it's crazy. It's like crazy Jedi levels of perfect yeah, man. Like snake Jedis. But uh, they can literally look football field away in the, the palmetto, like, crevice of a palm tree and be like, saw-scale viper, which is only like this big. And they're like, oh, saw-scale viper. And you're like, Sure, you get there, and there it is. That's awesome. It's nuts. Uh, we need to learn their cool. ways, right? I yeah. know they did try to take them out of the Indian jungles and bring them to like the rainforest in South America. They couldn't find squat, so 
Really? Um, like it was an experiment, I think that Rob did. Well, it makes sense. I mean, they're used to yeah. certain terrain and species, and they know the habits of those species. You know, like in and out. So yeah, these makes people sense. like get bit from the time they're two years old, and they actually have like you can see some of the like crazy deformities and skin rashes that they get from messing with venom so long. Mm -hmm. It's nuts. Yeah, I, I want to go to the Western Ghats so bad. Oh, yeah. That's on the opposite coast yeah, of, of where you were. but Yeah, uh, we worked with one of the big guys that do uh, a lot of research up there. And uh, he he was really fun to talk to. Him and uh, what's the other guy's name? Brian Greg Fry. We got to, mm -hmm. we got to talk to him a lot. And he's, he's crazy, but he's, he's a cool guy. Um, and uh, does some fun stories with him and some really cool people. Uh, the, the director there at the time had some awesome stories. His name is uh, Dr. Patrick Oust. He is uh, from South Africa. And I'm not sure what he's doing now, but he's still connected in the herp world for sure. And uh, he, he had some great stories from South Africa as well. So that was really neat. Uh, and they did a lot with the Andaman and Nicobar Islands, which oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Really yeah. So we got to hear all those stories and meet the people there. We had the if we had been there longer, we could have gone to both uh, Bangalore and seen the rainforest, and then gone to Andamar and the Ghats was the plan. But we couldn't stay any longer. We were poor and ran out of money. <laughs> yeah, they've got all man. India has all the cool boiga. Yeah, right. And that's one of the reasons I really would want to go, especially, you know, Andaman Islands. Like, there's there's some really cool stuff there. And then seeing ornamentals in the wild would be really cool, too. You know? Yeah. Yeah, man. And the Andaman Islands, that's the holy grail of cobras, man. It's yeah. The most holy the grail of boiga. So it is, it's a holy grail of a lot of stuff. Um, so, it's own species. A guy that we became friends with while we were there, uh, his name's Nariman. He actually works for them and does. Um, cobra removal from like villages and stuff now so that's his job now is to move the kings and he's he, he posts all videos on facebook and stuff he's really cool awesome do they have malayans they have malayan pit vipers there phil no i think it's way too far east is it or i'm sorry way too far west i mean hmm. yeah they have i mean india as a whole has i think over 200 endemic species of just snake you know, and then if you include, you know, Nicobar and, and, and Daman Islands and, and that whole and Sri Lanka, Sri Lanka. Too, I, mean, I mean, I know it's not, it's, I know Sri Lanka is its own country, but like you include that whole North Indian Ocean, that's a hell of a lot of really cool animals. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, not even just herps, everything we saw was pretty cool. We got to see some uh, wild uh, Indian rock pythons, those were cool. And uh, we would actually go out and watch the, the local people catch a pillowcase full of bandicoot, which sound a lot cooler than they are. It's not like <laughs> they're just 10 pound rats, basically. Uh, <laughs> and they would crawl. They would literally be in our room and they'd come in and smoke it out and then bash it with a, with a stick. Oh, my <laughs> God. Throw a bag of bandicoot in with the Indian rock pythons. So. It was Crash Bandicoot. Kind of. <laughs> like Crush Bandicoot. It's, yeah, it was It was pretty weird. Like, one day we woke up in the morning and we're like, it smells like smoke. What is going on? And we look, and outside our sink area, 
So you had just like a kitchen sink, and on the other side of the wall, they were smoking out bandicoots from under the sink. And we're like, there's smoke coming up into our... Little- yeah, they were like, no big deal. You guys were asleep, so we set the building on fire kind of to get yeah, some, some dry rats out. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was definitely interesting. I mean, day one, they're like, okay, we're going to go uh, jump some uh, gharials and, uh, and uh, dig up some eggs. We're like, all right, sure. And we're like, do we have to put our boots on and stuff? And that's when they're like, no, no, no shoes. And we're like, okay. When in Rome. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only day I did wear flip flops into a crock pan, I was actually very glad I did because I stepped on the bone of a turtle carapace. That sucks. Or plastron, actually. And the plastron, the carapace, whatever that connecting bone is, popped up through my flip flop in between my toes. Ooh. Just this spear bone came up. How and you it was get like a staff infection. Yeah, we yeah. looked down and we were like, that could have been really bad. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was good. And they feed literally anything that they catch. So they unfortunately had a pen of spectacle caiman that uh, it was right after the big hurricane or typhoon had hit there, and their beach had flooded, and that pen that the caiman live in had flooded with salt water, so all the caiman had a skin issue mm. because spectacles can't take the salt. And yeah. so they were all like sloughing their skin and it was really sad. But like they would also go out with a net and they'd just catch stingrays and fish and just throw piles of these things into the crock pens. That was a lot of times what the gharials were eating were stingrays and fish that they were netting. Wow. I'm sure that saves a lot on the food bill because, I mean, I'm sure working at St. Augustine, you re- you know, you know how expensive all those things are to feed daily or, you know, weekly. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's crazy that like you're everything's so protected and so coveted, but you can just go catch whatever, whatever's in the net and feed it to the crocs. Yep, crazy. They can feed it to the crocs. Wow, like it's like night and day different than where I'm now, where like everything that comes food wise is sanctioned by Mm -hmm. a nutritionist and then blessed and then sanctioned again and then checked again and then checked again and then oh god you gave it two shrimp instead of one oh shit (laughs) well i mean it's gotta be kosher you know right like it's gotta be you know everything is sanctified when you have a nutritionist on payroll so it's definitely what you do when when you came back from india what do you do at that point i really hoped i was gonna get a job because uh, I literally quit what I was doing because I was I was not happy in Texas. I, I like the zoo, but I didn't like my situation. And uh, we'll leave it at that. And uh, so I came back in the hopes of getting a job and reached out to anybody and everybody I could. I knew. And I really wanted to come back to Florida because I knew I still wanted to work with herps. And where else can you work with all the herps but in Florida? So, yeah, and of course I missed Phil. Of course you did. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny because like you know you guys had limited service when you guys were over there, and sometimes I get a message from Brooke. Sometimes I get a message from you, but like it would always be the opposite person too. Be like, hey, it's Katie. I'm using Brooke's phone, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or whatever it was. And sometimes it would be you guys, you know, in your bunk making like gangster, like gangster throwing up gang signs. 
And then other times it'd be like a picture of some crazy butterfly or some crazy, you know, one time it was a Russell's Viper or a saw scale Viper. So yeah. it's awesome. And bored. And when you're bored and you just have a hut to sit in and no air conditioning, what else do you do? Yeah, exactly. Play with a red-eared slider in a bathtub that you <laughs> That cracks Legit. me up. Yeah, you of all things, like, Of right? course there's a red-eared slider found in the things, Indian Ocean. The, two, the only two American chicks there find a red-eared slider. Come on. Yeah, you can't you I can't escape like, them? I feel like the, the red ear slider is the Mr. Bean of the animal world. <laughs> like, just randomly shows up, has no idea what's going on, is fairly polite, but shouldn't be there. Right. There's a pond right up the street from my house with a bunch in it. Yeah, they're they're everywhere. Jesus. Yeah, we we found uh, walking. I think they're walking catfish. We oh would yeah. And we would keep them in our shower slash square that we filled with water. We'd keep them in there for a few days. We were still keeping pets while we were there just for the hell of it. So we had, <laughs> we had like a, a toe biter, which is oh, a yeah. giant oh, bug. Yeah. We kept one of those and we would like hand feed it minnows. We were going to make it into a drinking game to see whose fingers would get closer. Wasn't I playing with one of those at Daytona like last year, the year before last, when I was absolutely hammered? You were. You were. I think. I think it was one of those cases where like it was on its way. It was dying. It was. Like, I didn't know nails. where what it was. You're like, what I is this like, thing? Look at the claws on this son of a bitch. It was moving <laughs> quick. It wasn't yeah. dying, dude. That thing was booking it. The one I had bounced off my head as we were walking out of our house. Like it just fell off the the roof somewhere or something. We had toads everywhere, um, uh, Indian just little toad, uh, balloon frogs, uh, little tree frogs that looked like humans but they weren't. Um, and we had a, a, a hatching of termites happen in our house that we were staying in our common room, nice. and it was just wow. a swarm. And so us being a whole bunch of hurt science nerds. We got buckets of water and we're trying to scoop them out of the air like this to feed our buddies tarantula and scorpion. <laughs> <laughs> so we were just catching buckets full of termites. It was that's crazy adventure. I've got lots of pictures from India on my Facebook. Um, so those those pictures are definitely memories for sure. That's awesome. So you get back to the states. Texas obviously didn't work out. You made your way to South Florida, right? Yeah, well, I had known some people from the alligator farm. I am doing crop school uh, and, you know, working through several crop schools. As a keeper at the farm, you participate in all the classes and stuff. And so I knew some people from that, and I just started reaching out to who was hiring. And I got a job at the Palm Beach Zoo and was there for almost eight years. And uh, that was where I was uh, one of only two herb keepers there. Uh, we had a very small department. I mean, it's a small zoo. It's about 25 keepers total and only two basic. Uh, at the time when I was there, I left in 2015. Um, there was only two full-time herb keepers. And the, the collection included two Komodos, some Aldabras. We had some random mammals and birds that were thrown into some of our Aldabra yards and stuff, but and frogs, we had two gators, a white gator, a uh, bunch of amphibians, snakes, lizards, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I remember yeah. you guys, it, was it Cuban boa you guys had? 
Yeah, we had to keep a. Yeah, I never forget. You know, Katie was cool enough to bring me behind the scenes, and she's like, "Oh, you ever seen the Cuban ball?" I was like, "Not in person. Like, let me see this thing." She's like, "Oh, it's super chill. It's one of the best snakes we got." And the thing just cocks back and starts taking <laughs> taking shots at people, and I was just like, uh, "Are you sure?" She's like, he doesn't normally do this. <laughs> hey, weird, just like the scrub python that he sent me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That damn scrub. And oh, I remember, uh, I remember is that you named him Gary? Uh, I named him Gary. You named him Gary? Actually, his name changes like from week to week, but this week it's uh, all right. Usually Gary. it's asshole or stop it dick or something. You know, in, in quotes, stop it dick, right? Yeah. Um, you guys also, you had a giant. Surnam Kanto, right? What was his name? Oh my god, I love Moose. Moose, that's right, Moose. Videos little antlers on him. Mowing down earthworms, like she was the coolest. She was almost, almost a pound and a half. Wow. Like she was, she was, she was almost dinner plate, like like pixie frog size. Yeah, she was, she was bigger than any pixie frog I seen, like. She was awesome. I loved that toad. I remember we were taking, we were feeding her, and you were like, "Hey, we're gonna give her a live mouse." <laughs> yeah. and we, we put the mouse in there. We all like all these people had their cell phones out, waiting to record this toad eat the mouse. <laughs> With the cameras were rolling for like a good three or four minutes, and we're like, "All right, what now?" And then we're like, "Ah, screw it." We all turn our phones off, and then she eats it. <laughs> so. Yeah. I definitely still have a great video of that and a video of her bowing down uh, a bowl of earthworms like spaghetti. That's <laughs> awesome. It was great. Are those yeah. different than marine toads? Is that a different species? No, but there's very few true South American cane toads that actually come uh, up. Okay. There's the ones you see that are in like South Florida and most of the United States and Australia. They're not. They've basically like adapted to their environment. So they're not. So they're kind of like their own thing. Kind of, yeah. They're, yeah. they're not they're a different species. They're just not going to be the same look and size as a true cane toad. And I think she was an actual true import. I don't even know where she came from, but she yeah, was, she that had to be an import because they're they they look so different too. They're way yeah. more colorful. They have yeah. these great like lateral stripes that go down the back, and just the size they just get yeah. so much bigger. Yeah, they're pretty awesome. But yeah, there's some cool animals there. And of course, I love my Komodo dragons. That's another thing I've worked with for years that those are my babies. And the two Komodo dragons that were at the uh, Palm Beach Zoo were, were, those were my, those were my kids before kids. Those were my, those were my babies. That was Hannah and Satu uh, at the time. So they were awesome. She, the Hannah was later, sadly on necropsy found to be a boy. Um, but Hannah was born a born a male, did a blood test in Miami. They changed her from Hannibal to Hannah. Spent her whole life as a female, but was seven almost almost seven foot ten and hundred and ten pounds. And I kept swearing she was not a female. That is not female size. And when we put them with the male to breed, the behavior was not very male female behavior. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. They said the blood test said she was female. That's so, crazy because, like, you, you can't probe them, you know? Right, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> and then upon, upon after her, her his death, they were like, oh, testicles. Oops. 
Those aren't supposed to be there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Needless to say, she never successfully bred. Weird. <laughs> Mystery solved. So from Palm Beach, then you went to Brevard, right? Yep. <laughs> I just bounce all over Florida. Uh, I uh, went to Brevard for just under a year. Uh, I was a supervisor there. And then just some, some life stuff happened. And I just decided I needed a break. And then in that like two to three month break, I ended up getting the job at Disney. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, the Brevard was neat too. They were actually just starting to kind of build a herb collection. They had your classic old stuff. Um, they had a couple of large tortoises. They had a large Python, very old school keeping in that. And they were trying to get into some newer variety and they had gotten mm -hmm. two juvenile Komodos in at the time that they were trying to build a nice outdoor exhibit for and stuff like that. So I was trying to assist with that as well as see what it's like to be a supervisor of a wild Florida station with all kind of mammal stuff and birds and such. So that was interesting for sure. Very cool. So kind of been did all you, over the place. Did you do much with the Cuban Crocs at the, at St. Augustine? Yeah, I mean, we worked with, if you worked there, you worked with it all. So, okay. yeah, we did we did a lot of training with them. Uh, some of my closest calls were still at the alligator farm. Um, I have three very close calls with Crocs that came from the alligator farm. Uh, and some, you know, almost shit your pants moments. But, you know, <laughs> we, we get through them all. But they're, they're definitely learned from. There's some really great uh, mentors there. My personal mentor is still one of the best croc guys you'll ever meet. And one of the nicest guys is Jim Darlington. And everything I've ever known for most of my herb stuff, I've learned from him. And his training with crocs is amazing. So he teaches croc school, excuse me, and stuff now. So he he's definitely one to learn from, one to talk to. He's a pretty awesome dude. He was the officiant at your wedding, right? Uh, no, no, he didn't get to go to that. He was... Oh, okay different guy okay i don't know i ask about cubans because those are i think that's probably my favorite species of all the crocodilians those are definitely and beautiful schneider and, eye um our cuban crocodile uh fidel i think was her name <laughs> of course we had Is there any other name right right yeah we had fidel castro and guapo uh those were the cubans when we were there and uh you know el guapo and uh, good. they're just, just super interesting. I've just heard so many crazy so things cool. about them that they're just they're like, bizarre. She, she was like almost 10 feet. She was a big girl. And uh, she was in a back holding pen. And I swear she would watch you and make sure you lock that door. Because if you didn't, she would go check the door as soon as you left. She would literally go grab the lock and pull on it to see if it was locked. Hmm. Like, there's wow. so smart and she actually was one of my first animal escapes that I ever deal with is she decided she didn't want to be there anymore and there was one little piece of wood that fell and it was like because their pants were circular with like an overhang so that they can't you know climb up yeah so they have like that that incline so the crocs can't get out well something failed and she was able to get out and our photo booth people who have the little photo alligators they mm -hmm. were going to put the alligators back 
open the door and she's sitting in front of the door and they said, oh shit. We shut the door and then called the croc team and was like, uh, guys? <laughs> yeah. So we get in there and you know, we do the whole job. We try to get a rope on her and try to pull her back and try to at least get her back to her pen so she can see the door. Because usually, once they see their pool, they'll go in their pool. Yeah. That's that's their safety spot. But the difference with human crocodiles is instead of you know every other crocodilian, you rope them, you you neck rope them, or whatever you do to try to pull them, they will try to pull away from you. Just like if you you know put a leash on a dog and pull they're going to resist. Yeah. Just kind of dig their feet in and, and yeah. Yeah. Human crocodiles look at you, say, fuck you. And they run at you at a gallop. And yeah, it's that's crazy. I've heard they're like the most psychotic out of all of them. Like they're, we the, tried they're the most unpredictable. Her. Yeah. We were trying to pull her towards her pen and she was pulling, fighting, fighting, fighting. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm new at this point. I'm like greed at this point in this world and i hear run run and i'm like the rope just went slack oh shit <laughs> <laughs> and both of my my seniors above me and the other two keepers with us were just like flying in different directions scattered like ants scatter and she of course stops and sits and we get our rope back and we do the same process until she decides she wanted to go home it was really up to her we really did nothing <laughs> Uh, we basically just worked with her until she decided she would go in. Uh, another close call, I, I, one close call I had with a Cuban was ironically the first time my parents saw me doing any of this stuff. So they're watching this Cuban, and this is on exhibit. So this is like where guests are all watching us catch this crocodile and <clears throat> move it to a back area. I think we were looking at something medically. I don't remember what we were catching it for. But she was one of our smaller ones. This was this was Castro. She was a little bit smaller. She was probably six, seven feet. Um, her pool was maybe ten feet across, and uh, I'm in there with a couple other keepers and one of our managers. And they're like, "Okay, this is what you're going to do." They gave me, I think, a neck rope and a pole, and somebody else had the other gear, and they went to rope her. And she leapt the diameter of the pool. And within a blink of my eye, I looked down. And there's a free, unrestrained, snapping Cuban crocodile between me and another co-worker's legs. Just sitting there, looking at us. Wow. Hissing. And my mom on the outside of the window watching all this. Um, and I just hear my manager go, sit and grab. And... You just don't hesitate when you're in a position like that. You do what you're told, especially when you're new. So I did that and we caught her. But like, yeah, that wasn't the plan. <laughs> That's not how we meant to do it. We meant to use like the ropes and the proper securing methods that just did. she decided a different method would work. That's crazy. That's right. awesome. You just you hear about other species and stuff. And then, you know, people, I, I work at a cigar shop, so I have people come in all the time, people from out of town, people local that, you know, talk about how crazy alligators are and how dangerous they are. It just it makes me kind of giggle because it's like or, at, gators are, are laughable compared to the stuff laughable. across the pond. Yeah, and, and Cubans hold the record for jumping out of the water too, right? Yeah. Cubans can jump uh, vertical straight out of the water over three three quarters of their body. Wow. So, like, you got a 10-foot Cuban that's, like, 
a decent jump. That's awesome. And I think they're also the prettiest of out of all the crocodiles. Absolutely, too. yeah, they're very, very pretty. Their coloring is amazing. They actually have been shown to work in groups in the wild for hunting. So, like, basically a pack, a wolf pack of Cuban crocodiles. And they also are the only ones that can high walk and gallop on land. Mm-hmm. So, well, all of them high walk, but they gallop. Like, they literally yeah. they bound. How do the American crocs compare to the other stuff you've worked with? American crocs are a little nuts. They're a little spazzy. We like to call them all a little spazzy. They're very reactive and kind mm-hmm. of nervous. So, like, whereas a gator is pretty chill most of the time, like, they're going to let you know when you're in their space. And the gator's going to, like, dude, back off. Like, my area, back off. A American croc will say, kind of like, I almost think of it like a high-strung chihuahua. Like, they're like, oh my god, back off! Oh my god, snap! Oh my god, run away! Like, <laughs> like they're like instantaneous reaction like that. They're like, I'm going to scare you. No, I'm going to run. I'm going to do it all. Right now. <sighs> like, <laughs> they don't let it set in. They're like, just a snap reaction. Very spastic reaction. Now, the, the acutus that we have here in South Florida is the same thing that's in Central America, right? But now, is the personality any different or no? Um, I can't speak from one to another. Like, I've only worked with the acutus that are from around here or uh, seen them in the wild kind of thing. So, I don't think any of our acutus were from South America specifically. Okay. All right. They're just cool. It's like the one species that people don't even realize exists. Like people don't realize American crocs are a thing, and people well, are surprised I when I tell them that 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 they're there. Yeah. There's quite a few species that people don't realize exist. Like another one that I think has forgotten a lot of the intermediates, and I think they're really cool. Uh, they're a really unique species that don't get talked about a lot. I don't think, but I'm I'm a fan of most of the slender snouted species. So everything from cataphractus. Uh, Tamistama and, of course, the intermediates are all really interesting species. That the Tamistamas are really cool too. But yeah. So They're what's pretty- the difference between gharials and is it gavials? Gharial. Uh, there's technically classified classification wise. There's two species of gharial. Okay. The, the Indian and Malayan, or Tamistama and in Indian, or Gavialis gigeticus. Um, Tamistima is a, it's actually its Latin name. So Tamistima schleglii is cataphract is the geez, is the Malayan gharial. This but Tamistima has become its common name because they're just all it used to be called the false gharial, but mm-hmm. they funding for it because it was called a false animal. So they were actually struggling to get funding because it had false in the name, was the story I was told. That's crazy. Yeah. It's not all that surprising, though. Yeah. yeah. It kind of yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So they changed it to Malayan Garial, and that became a mouthful. So Tamistama kind of stuck as its nickname. Um, and they're a pretty impressive animal, and they're huge. And they're they're like a, a cross between an Indian Garial and, like, a saltwater crocodile, I swear, because they get massive. They eat both, like, things as big as deer and as 
and can fish like a gharial. So they're pretty awesome predators. Yeah, they have like the big giant salty body, but then they have a really long snout. Mm -hmm. But they don't have the, the bulb on the end of the snout, right? Correct. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, they don't have that. But uh, they still definitely, they do communicate with that, that schnauz is some sort of resonance for them because just like the other gharial, they can make a sound with it as well. And that's really? Part yeah, I was not aware of that. Yeah, part of what that gara is on the Indian gharial is a sound resonator. And they make a really interesting kind of like, almost like a almost like a pressure cooker whistle. Oh, really? Uh, they actually think there's some other sounds that we can't hear uh, both taken in and put out by the gharial. The bar on the end of the. So nose. is it? So it's obviously high pitched. Is it like a like you said like a tea kettle type thing or like a Mariah Carey? More, a, more airy, like more of like a like if you're like a pressure cooker, like a bubbly sound with the, the high squeal in it. Mm -hmm. Very cool. It's like a high squeaky hiss. I'll have to look that up on YouTube later. Yeah, yeah and they make definitely. pretty. A deep resonant sound too. Like the males will make some mm -hmm. really deep bellowy resonant sounds with that gara. That's a big sound chamber for them, which is really neat. Is it as deep as like the American alligators that bellow? It's different. It's almost like it doesn't like I don't feel like it vibrates like the the American alligator. If you've ever been on like a deck or a dock and you can feel the American alligator, if you ever if you ever noticed, I mean I was surrounded by a lot of them. That's why I, I think I noticed this. But you can almost feel the alligator call before you can hear it. So you feel the resonance in your feet, like vibrating the deck, before you actually hear the deep sound. With the gharial, I feel like you feel more. Like it's it's lower than we can hear. Really? Or more than what you hear from a gharial, if that makes sense. That's amazing. So it's a really unique... Call and one of the other things about gharials that I've this is just my personal thoughts on it, but to me, a, a gharial feels different than any other crocodilian in comparison because they feel much sleeker and much more, I would say, aquatic. Like if you've ever touched a dolphin, say at SeaWorld or whatever, mm -hmm. they're very smooth and sleek feeling and very like hydrodynamic, yeah, hydrodynamic, yeah. And these guys are much more like that. They've got extra fins on their sides of their legs that stick out like little, like it always looked like dragon scales to me because they had like these extra fins that stick out on the sides of their legs and stuff. And it's basically a rudder, you know, it's steering. And they're just very cylindrical, very tube-like. Whereas all the other alligators, they have like that gator feel. It's very leathery, very hide like And I feel like gharials are much different. Very cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I guess yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like uh, <clears throat> all the different keeled vipers in South America, like whether it be you know some of the lanceheads or the jumpers, and then like if you ever get the chance to actually touch a bushmaster, like the skin is like it's dragon armor. It's completely mm -hmm. different. I just remember getting to help Cody with that one of those uh, Western Greens or one of the Jamesons. They had like a stuck eye cap or something. So he had me and Geo like hold it while he pulled off the, the eye cap. And it was like, dude, I'm freaking holding the Mamba, man. Yeah, I, it's, like, it's like silk, right? Yeah. Mambas, mambas are great. I used to have uh, two Virtus as my nightstands. 
<laughs> cage was our was our nightstand because you know, back in the days when I stacked everything under my bed. It's awesome. What are you keeping currently? Uh, not a whole lot. I uh, went and had a child, and then realized that I didn't. Uh, have to take you're, care a, of me. you're a proven breeder. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I have a now two year old little boy, and he loves the reptiles. But I didn't have enough time to uh, dedicate to the animals I had at the time. So I have downsized. I will probably get back to it eventually. Do do you still have the Maclots? I do. Yeah. I still have the Maclots. I was Good actually stuff. hoping to work on upgrading his setup because I was trying to get a custom built cage for my monitor. And then unfortunately my husband lost his job, so that's all on pause for a little while. Well, our good friend Billy Hunt has multiple Maclots clutches. He's got like two or three, two? Yeah, in the incubator as we speak, and they should be hatching in theory by the end of the month. So wow. if you need a girlfriend. Jeez, I haven't heard about them breeding years. Yeah, like, there's, yeah, I mean, there's really not a lot of people focusing on them. I mean, they, I think there's more people uh, you know, trying to get clutches from them now than there probably ever has been. I yeah, guess. I'd agree. They're assholes. <laughs> well, it's what's funny is Billy's adults are puppy dog tame. All of his adults are super cool, and uh, I think it's just he's just got a good stock, you know. So yes, the one I have, which I haven't sexed him in over a decade, so I guess we sexed him right that he is a male. Um, but I got him as an earthworm, and he was the first snake I ever purchased. Um, he is gonna probably be god he's probably pushing 14 or 15 years old now wow damn that's a long time ago <laughs> yeah he's he's been around he's not he never got super huge but from what i've been researching the males don't get super thick they stay a lot thinner than the females but he's not thick he's long and streamlined almost like a tree snake but uh he's He's old. He's been around the block with me and everywhere I've lived. So, because I got him in 2000, I want to say 2006 or five. We're grown ups now. Isn't that fucking weird? I know, right? <laughs> he's, he's been everywhere I've been. So, that whole history you just learned is he's been with me the whole time, barring a few people babysitting him while I was, you know, not in the country. But right now I have a couple of uh, fancy, uh, gosh, I can't even talk anymore, uh, Hunter and Mill Snakes. I have a diminishing pattern high red. She's like really pretty. And an albino uh, tangerine. So I always love the anneries in those. I don't know what it is about yeah. this that that – monochromatic sort of look to that but yeah i got those two mostly because it was the first two snakes my husband liked so <laughs> he, said he wanted a pair of, of hondurans and i said sure and i figure i kept those when i was downsizing because i figure those are an easy a simple breed and then if i want to show my kid hatching snakes they're really easy to incubate too and move along if i need to so i have him i have them yeah. and i have um 
a very special, we'll call him very, very special corn snake that was a rescue that was put towards me <laughs> that I've kept. <laughs> He's special. And then what, what kind of monitor do you have? I have a Duberals monitor. Oh, cool. That's right. That's right. He's going to be like four. Nice. Whatever not- happened to that? Remember that Argus that was getting passed around? I do. We were at Flanagan's having dinner, and someone was like, anybody want an Argus monitor? Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah. Whatever happened to that thing? I don't know where that ended up. I ended up with, yeah, I don't know. She might know. I know I've ended up with so many animals. I've been like, here, do you want to take this? And I end up with lots and lots of things. Yeah. yeah. That's what we do. Yeah. I definitely uh, have had some cool stuff. I used to uh, try to raise up some blood pythons, and uh, I like those a lot. So I had a couple of those. I've had a lot of venomous in the past, but uh, both in Texas and, and when I lived in St. Augustine, we would do uh, classes for the Army Rangers at the alligator farm mm-hmm. and for fish and wildlife for venomous handling. So we did a lot of that. I had my permit for a little while back. A long time ago. <laughs> yeah. So. Just uh, not to start to jump back on the timeline, but like just going back to the Palm Beach Zoo stuff, you had spear, uh, spearheaded a whole axolotl breeding program, didn't you? Uh, it was it was more of a oops they bred, so now we've got to do something with them program. <laughs> okay. You um, want to tell you want to tell us about that? Yeah, it was. Uh, we had an enclosure with. There were 11 when I started there, 11 axolotls, well, 12 axolotls of multiple different colors, everything from the, the normal brown to full albino leucistic. Um, and they never had any success with them. They were not doing well. They kept getting skin problems. So basically we just flip-flopped the two cold water exhibits that they had. One was cave fish, one was axolotls. And I just flipped them and gave the axolotls a much bigger, much deeper uh, pool and within days I swear we had hundreds of eggs and went from there uh, unfortunately we did have struggles with getting them past the they went from tadpole to like almost morphing and then a, a huge die off and we're not really sure what happened there but uh, we got out of it after that second or third try but um yeah, that was definitely interesting. Basically, I think it was just space, consistent pH, and um, temperature. That's the big change there. Yeah, because I remember you guys had like these crazy elaborate tank setups with all these individual solo cups with like a single oh, baby. That was nuts because they can't be together because we'll eat each other. So basically, I took like ranch cups, like ranch dip cups, and like strung them together in a tub and kind of, it was very jimmy rigged like it was very <laughs> no 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 it was impressive though because then there was like hoses for oxidation and yeah we had yeah. airy hoses and the water would come in the top flow through the bottom flow through three levels of axolotls and down into the sump and then back up yeah it was it was definitely interesting and since then i've learned some of the errors of my ways i now work with some really good filtration people so I've learned a lot about fish tanks and stuff. I'm currently the amphibian, one of the amphibian core people at the on the ectotherm team at Disney. So 
I'm doing a lot of new stuff with amphibians now. Doing so. anything with dart frogs? Yeah, I'm currently raising 11 dart frogs in a new way for Disney, but not a new way for the industry. Just trying to catch Disney up a little. What species? <laughs> uh, we have uh, Tictorius and Erratus right now. The Erratus are oopses. <laughs> they, yeah. were, they were found as tadpoles. It happens. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a phase where I was keeping a lot of them. I got out of yeah, I have them recently, and uh, like I kept some batatas and those things. The amount of eggs and and stuff those things threw was just unbelievable. We just got into Adelpha baits, and we're learning they're very much more cryptic and act differently than any other dendro or any other of the any darts that I have mm -hmm. because they're much more like usually green dart. You know, when we go to weigh them, remove them, you you touch their back end and they. They move right. these little delta baits. You touch them and they go. Mm. Yeah, they just they suck like it in, hunker yeah. down and like I'm a leaf. You can't see me. And they galactinotus. Yeah, the they reds or yellows. Crazy, uh, all of them. Wow. We have nice. we have reds, we have yellows, we have moonshines. Oof. That was one species I always really wanted but never got my hands on. We have we have a group of moonshines. They were they're a new addition to our our group um i don't remember exactly how disney ended up with them we did go through a really cool project where we actually had a confiscation come through with from the country of brazil mm -hmm. and it was a confiscation we housed them for almost two years and then we got to have them go back to brazil and be released which was pretty cool nice so that happened a little last year um but yeah we do that we do the crested toad program at the at disney uh, Puerto Rican crested toads, so that's fun. Um, but yeah, the, right now we have the Tinctorius, the blue and yellow, mm -hmm. and the greens were uh, just they were accidentally found on in tadpole stage already. So well, those crested toads are cool too. I've never even heard of those. Oh, Puerto Rican crested toads—they're uh, one of the few amphibian SSPs. So um, those are neat. You uh, never heard of an SSP? It's a species survival plan. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, they are uh, really neat. They're run through actually the Fort Worth Zoo curator is the uh, director of that program, mm -hmm. and she's been doing it for a while. And Disney's been a part of it for most of that time. And we are actually breeding this year. We didn't we didn't get to do it last year because of COVID, unfortunately. Uh, but we are doing it this year, and uh, we'll be going to breeding season next week. Uh, we'll start pairing up the baby, the adults, and yeah, cool. do like rain chambers and everything, like the yep. whole whole gamut. Yeah, and it's in a it's a quarantined room already because of how they're kept. Because these guys are from the wild, released to the wild, so mm -hmm. they're uh, aquatic quarantined. So nothing else aquatic can you can work with when you're working them. So, but yeah, the crested toe project's pretty cool. I've worked with it in uh, a couple of times, and at Disney, it's been pretty successful so it's cool to breed a couple ten thousand tadpoles and then watch them be shipped off to go re-release yeah. does it seem like everything in puerto rico struggles like animal wise right yeah yeah well, there's not a lot of space yeah that's true yeah. it was cool i did get to go to puerto rico uh two years ago now three years ago now uh and uh i got to hear i heard koki of course and i got to hear uh the, the calls 
up in the mountains. So that's pretty neat. Super cool. Awesome adventures. Yeah, the SSP program thing is pretty neat too. It's like I I it wasn't until I was talking to Rob recently, Rob Stone, Bob Rock, uh, about Jamaican boas that he had mentioned. And I wasn't aware that like each species had its like had a team basically that was like focused on on those and those alone. I thought that was really neat. Yeah, basically they're animal dating programs. It's yeah. like Tinder for animals. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, there's SSPs for lots and lots and lots of animals, but not a lot. Unfortunately, not a lot for many herps. And mm -hmm. um, there are very few. There's a few amphibian ones. There's the Colorado River toad. Uh, there's, mm -hmm. I think there's another toad. There's the crested toad. Um, Koki, I think, is an SSP or is trying to be. There's one or two salamander ones. Um, isn't there one for that walking, the golden walking frog down south? Panamanian golden frog. Yeah, yeah. There is an SSP for that. Um, but yeah, there are few and far between for those. There's uh, the actually the one here in Florida is the striped salamander. Oh, cool. Actually, out of Jacksonville. They, Very uh, cool. SSP programs based out of there. There's a hellbender SSP. Um, of course. Yeah. Speaking so, of Florida and frogs, are you still doing anything with Frog Watch? There hasn't been a frog wash up here in a very long time. Uh, I so you're going to fire it back up? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe we'll. <laughs> <laughs> that right there made my night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did do frog wash down in South Florida. Uh, that was an adventure. But I can identify all 18 species of Florida frogs by the sound. Hey, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't know half of them. So that makes me happy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now yeah. I can just sound like I kind of know what I'm talking about when we go in the Everglades. <laughs> oh, I miss going to the Everglades. You're one only a couple days, hours north. I'll say one of these days, I'm gonna I'm gonna drive down there and and stay if with Phil. If South Florida could stop being like the, the yucky center of COVID, then I'll come back down there. Look, just come to South Florida. The only time you got to wear a mask is when you're going in the restaurant, but not when you sit down. And if you go into like a store store, then you got to wear one. But other than that, nobody cares. Yeah, the Hooters down there is ground zero. It's not. It doesn't mean that it's right that nobody cares. I, I was I was just at Hooters yesterday. The Hooters and strip clubs are I did not absolute breeding grounds for. Corona. I did not eat. And I did not eat my chicken wings with a mask on. I don't I know that be the role model for protocols. But we sure as hell are having a lot of fun. I feel like there's worse diseases I'd be worried about catching in Boca than Corona. <laughs> not, not Boca, just, you know, surrounding vicinity cities. I mean, pretty much anything in Florida. You're like, yeah, I got... Uh, Scurvy? Uh, no, what's the... Ebola. I'd be like, yeah, probably. Look, there hasn't been a case of Ebola in South Florida <laughs> since 2011. So let's not start starting rumors here, all right? Any disease, name it. And I'd be like, yep, probably did. Just like invasive species. Someone's like, oh, someone saw, a, you know, a Mangshan viper. And I was like, yeah, probably. No, no, Nothing no. surprises me anymore let's, about let's Florida, not, dude. Let's not spread rumors. Just I'm not we, saying somebody did. I'm just saying. Just, you could tell me someone found a rhino, and I'd be like, probably. Just because we kicked Zika's ass doesn't mean anything. What about that uh, Aeropima that was just found? Good job, South Florida. Where, where was there an Aeropima found? 
What's an arapaima? Arapaima is that giant fish from Brazil. Fish. Oh. They're it's like, like an, it's like an arowana like a, on steroids. I was gonna say it sounds like an arowana. Eight Jonah. <laughs> yeah. Wait. So wait. Were, there was really an arapaima found. Yeah, it was. There was a whole article about it. I don't remember what part of South Florida, but somebody caught like a dead, uh, found a dead one, and it was like six something feet long. Are you sure it wasn't just a grass carp? I am sure it's an arapaima. That's fake news. Okay. What about electric eels? Has anybody found electric I'll eels? After this, and send there, it to you. There, there, there has been sightings of electric eels. Seriously, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they found one or two of them in Cooper City. I don't know. I was watching some show on Amazon a couple weeks ago, and it's with this British dude. It's called Fierce. I don't know what channel it was on originally, but he was doing like one of the episodes was about like South America. He was looking for electric eels in particular. Can those things actually kill somebody? Yes. Really? Oh yeah, they'll stop your heart. Hundred percent. You never saw just, like getting static touching a doorknob or something. You never saw the voltage meter thing with the with the rubber glove. You never saw that. No. So there's a famous video. It's like high speed, slow motion, high res video. They got a, they got like a four foot electric eel in a, in a tank, and it's just an empty glass tank full of water. And the guy takes his naked arm and puts his naked arm in the water and starts like cleaning like cleaning the glass. Like there's nothing to clean, but he's just showing you that nothing's happening. And then he puts on a gal like a galvanized rubber glove that goes up to like his shoulder, and he just just touches the eel. And you watch the whole water start to ripple, and the eel just starts to con convulse. And oh, there's shit. a voltage meter hooked up to the glove, and it, it's like I, I don't know anything about volts or amps or any of that crap. I'm I'm totally you know unknown to it, but the the needles going like this, you know, off the charts, just shocking the shit out of him. I mean, he didn't feel it because of the glove, but still it's nuts. I know they talked about it, and it was like really interesting how the whole thing works. But I wasn't sure how, because you know how the like a lot of those shows are on Animal Planet stuff. Yeah, you can't of trust how you know how much of it is just sensationalized and overly dramatic. Right, but. right. Now I will say that there is yeah. a, a group of of uh, clown knife fish that's off of like where where the city meets the Everglades, and there's there's clown knife fish out there, and a lot of the like uh, trophy fishermen. They're going out there because the fight on a clown knife is incredible. And I've never caught one. Uh, my roommate, he got one once. And uh, people think they get like six, seven foot long. They don't. They only get like three feet big. But the the fight for it and like watching it jump out of the water and like shimmer out of the water is supposed to be really impressive. So Interesting. We have some impressive fish at work. We have Paku. Nice. Big. Black Paku? No, red, red belly, red, red pocket. Sorry. Piranhas? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Veggie eating piranhas. Basically. They call them the, 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 the ball eaters in South America. <laughs> really? <laughs> the ball nibblers. Well, if, you, if you ever saw that uh, show, uh, was it the monster fish dude? Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jeremy something? He, uh, Jeremy Wade, right? Is his name? I mean, he was always wading in the water when I saw him. He uh, said that these fish are known to grab the the testicles of the people swimming in the water because apparently there's a berry or nut down there that literally looks like a really? and it's part of their main diet and so they bite testicles off. Why? Of First question is why the hell are you in a river in South America naked? I imagine that you're an, an indigenous person. And yes, that's indigenous. Why. I, 
I wouldn't even get in the water here naked. I also, but I feel like that's that's I feel like that's <laughs> the same kind of myth stuff, like the cottonmouth chase me. You know what I mean? I feel like it's the same kind of thing. Vegan piranha nipped at my balls. Oh, their teeth are weird though. You look <laughs> like a sheep's head where they look almost human. Yeah, yeah, they have like sheep's head fish. Human like teeth. They're so weird. That's creepy. My dad got his mole bit by a on his back by a parrotfish in Hawaii once. All that right. sounds really painful. Yeah, he screamed. Underwater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was in Hunama Bay in Hawaii. Um, and he had a, a packet of like a bag of like frozen vegetables that he took with him. He like snuck it in the water to feed the fish. And he of course they were all like the, the vegetables were still frozen, so they all floated. And I guess one of these paired fish saw his mole thinking it was like a pea or something, and just like Damn. Still makes me laugh to this day. That's that sucks. <laughs> oh man. Oh I'll never forget we had a uh, I, I've told I know I've told the story before, but we had a like good four and a half, five foot uh smooth front of Cayman at Underground once. And I remember Kate I asked Katie, I was like, Hey, I gotta move this thing, you know. I never played with one this big before. What what do you recommend? And I remember she said you know, grab it behind the head like normal and then put it in the water and then get out real quick. And I was like, all right, cool. And I did put it, it in a sleeper hold. And the thing swung around and grabbed all four of my fingers and my dumb ass pulls, right? Instead of just letting them just like, snap I've never me heard quick. you tell that story. Oh yeah. So instead of like, instead of me just letting it snap me real quick, because that's all it was. It wasn't trying to like eat me or anything. It was like, uh, a hey, leave me alone. Yeah, it was like a hey, leave me alone. I pulled, so I had like fifty or sixty micro lacerations on all four of my fingers on my right hand, and it wasn't the bite that pissed me off the most. It was the fact that I bled all in the water, and I had to drain that tank. <laughs> Because it was like on display, you know, and I was just this just tank of red with this caiman in it. And I was just like, son of a bitch. Now I it's like I get the get the freaking lizard out again, put him in a container, drain the whole tank, fill the tank back up, you know, with all the uh, substrate and everything in there. And uh, what a mess. And then still have to grab him and put him back. <laughs> and still have to grab him and put him back. <laughs> this time I was much quicker. <laughs> Push him away from you in the water. Yeah, well, I learned that. Yeah, <laughs> you see that video of the dude trying to jump on the back of an alligator, and he like hesitated for like that half a second, and the gator was like, "Oh yeah, that's exactly what." <laughs> no, <I laughs> he goes to that. jump, and it just like whips around and got him like right on the shoulder. I think it was. Oh, sucky! <laughs> like you could see he was he wasn't he wasn't committed. He was like you could tell he was he was going back and forth as far as deciding if when to do it. Like he was trying to time it right, and yeah, he just he didn't commit, and that gator just completely got Doink. him. Oof. Will do it. I've been I've been tore up by some small gators just trying to handle them for pictures or whatever. I don't even notice that they've shredded you until the blood's running down your arm. Savage. They're fast. What's the what's the worst bite that you've had? You know, not not I want to say not showboating, but what's <laughs> what's the worst bite that you've had? Crocodilian wise, educational bite. Yeah, yeah. But basically, you were tr you were doing everything right, and shit happened. Yeah. Um. Again, it would have been back at the farm. I had I had two pretty close, close moments. Um. 
one wasn't wasn't a bite. I I well was it didn't technically it fit my pants and my shoe. It didn't get the skin, so I don't know. Does that count? Um, I'll, but, I'll allow it. Uh, yeah, one was a uh, the lesser of the two probably would have been the uh, what is she? She was a wow. I'm drawing a blank. Her name was Jezebel. And she was, oh, she was a, uh, not an Orinoco. God, what was she? The other, the other South American crocodile. I can't. Cayman. <laughs> crocodile. More or less? More or less. Jeez, I couldn't think of that. Um, yeah, she was a more or less crocodile. And she, uh, she, I cleaned her whole pool and we would drain the pools and go down in the pool. You know, you have your bamboo pole for protection. And, uh, Get out of the pool. I'd grass seeded. I'd raked. I'd done the windows, everything, and she sat there perfect. Like nothing was wrong. Nothing. She was completely stoic, still like a statue. I go, okay, good girl, and I throw her her rat as I'm leaving, and she. The pool is still filling. It doesn't have all of its water in it yet. It's probably about half full, and I throw the rat maybe ten feet away from me on the other side of the pool. She catches it in the air leaps across the pool, grabs my leg, has me at the ankle, has my pant cuff, the top of my sock, and my boot, and is swinging my leg back and forth like this. And I'm going, in my mind, I just remember, it probably lasted 30 seconds or less. And I'm going, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. And then I'm going, I'm fired. And then I'm going, oh, fuck my leg. And then, and I in, just, the, in that order. Probably, yeah. I like kick really hard and she loses her grip on my pants and I like hit her smack her in the nose with my stick and I slam the door on her face and I just kind of lean up against the wall for a minute and check my pants and uh, she was probably about six feet I mean she wasn't huge but she could have done damage if she wanted to and I looked down and the top elastic around my sock because I was wearing like work boots and the top elastic on my sock is just ripped off. There's holes in my boot and holes in my pants, but she didn't, she didn't scathe my skin at all. Wow. I was very lucky. Wow, um, yeah. yeah, that was, that was probably my first like pee your pants. Like, whoo, I guess I did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, the other one, which it wasn't technically a bite. Thank God. Cause a bite would have been real bad. Uh, it, was a bruise and it definitely knocked me off my feet. Uh, I had an alligator being chased by another alligator in a very uh, small area of land. And it was a big alligator chasing a bigger alligator. And the, the smaller one thought that I was less intimidating than the guy who was trying to chase and kill him. So it came out at me with its mouth open and hit the back of my leg with its mouth open. Luckily their mouth is, you know, uh, in the same line as ours it's not open sideways and uh hit the back of my knee and the back of my ankle and literally just knocked everything out of my hand including my stick that i had and i kind of landed on the alligator side and was like whacking him with a stick and the stick shattered into three pieces so i had like a two foot bully stick at that point and i'm just <laughs> beating this alligator and he just decides to turn and go back into the water and the bigger alligator had stopped chasing him. And I just stood up and what's great is this is out in the swamping exhibit at the time 
you can see uh, everything going on as a guest. And so there's like this boardwalk you walk around and this woman was just standing on the boardwalk screaming like someone was murdering me, <laughs> just screaming, blood curdling, bloody wow. scream. And it, again, probably happened much faster than it did in my mind because I see it in slow motion even now as I saw the, the splash of the two gators and I looked at my surroundings and where I was, I was going to get something that somebody had dropped in the water. Yay, Taurus. Um, somebody had dropped like a camera or something and I was trying to get it out. And so I went in with my net and my stick and I had a radio on. And I went in by myself because at the time that's how it was. And it was, uh, excuse me, <coughs> a spit of land about four feet away from the chain link fence. And then you had another four feet of a, a bunker of water that's about a foot or two deep. And then a drop off. And the gator came out of the drop off onto that little part of land. And I was standing right there getting the camera. And that's how he knocked me off my feet and I landed next to him on land. It could have been bad, but I was able to just annoy him enough to go the other direction. And then I crawled back up onto the boardwalk and I just, I stood there for a minute and the woman was like, <clears throat> I think she was more panicked than I was. I was just trying to like, <laughs> like I was <laughs> probably like white and in shock. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and I looked down and I had like a blood blister behind my knee and a big old bruise, instant bruise behind my ankle from where it had just wow. my legs. So other That's than nice. that, I, you know, I haven't really been bit by a lot of crocodilians other than small ones. I have a, a good scar on the side of my hand from just a little two foot gator that I held wrong. And as I was shifting my hands, it, twisted and grabbed my uh, side of my arm and my side of my hand and just, I didn't even notice it until I was wrapping him for the photo shoot. And they're like, um, excuse me, there's, there's blood going down your shoulder. <laughs> I was like, That's how oh. it happens. Yeah. Sorry. Excuse me. I'm still getting over a hold <clears throat> of some sort. So coronavirus, coronavirus. I was negative. Uh, it, is, it is no fun. I will tell you that. Oh, I can. Ain't I'm, enjoyable. No, this one wasn't either. Sinus double ear infection thing. Oof. Wasn't a good time. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've been bit by a number of things, but nothing huge. I guess my monitor bites were probably the bloodiest. My favorite one, and, and I hope Brooke listens to this podcast when I say she told me when I was still new to reptiles that her water monitor was nice and wouldn't fucking bite. <laughs> and That's I funny. picked bastard out of the bathtub and it turned and ripped my finger open. Well, she's a, she's slated to be on this podcast as well in the near future. She's, she's been tied up with work and stuff, but uh, I really hope she does listen to this because you know, she's gonna be laughing the whole time. <laughs> I, I tagged her and told her I'm doing this. So I said, you better listen. <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah. Yes. Our, our stories tend to run side by side. She is, she and I are an interesting duo. Dynamic, the dynamic duo. Dynamic duo. Yes. Yes. 
But yes, we have some, we have lots of fun stories. Well, are you planning to go to Daytona this year? I would really like to. I've already tried to um, take the time off to go. Unfortunately, I work weekends, so I have to uh, take the time off. And it looks like I should be able to. Yeah. Introduce my kid to the world of Daytona. Yeah, that'll be his first one, right? Yeah, it will. That'll be his first one out of the womb. Yes, true. Yes, yes. Because the last one you went to, you were still pregnant, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's a little, he loves animals. He does. uh, He he doesn't like earthworms, we learned. Uh, That was terrifying for him. (laughs) We showed him an earthworm and he traumatically tried to climb my father. Um, (laughs) He'll hold a snake, but the earthworm is terrifying. Earthworm terrifying. Nope. It moved and he screamed and it, it ran away. It was not okay. (laughs) <laughs> else he was he touches with no fear whatsoever but yeah awesome. he'll go after bugs like i showed him we found a big old uh one of the coconut beetle grubs walking across our driveway i mean things as big as my thumb and he's like poking at it i'm like that's my boy whereas my husband's like what the hell is that <laughs> alien grub but, Florida yeah. wildlife, that's all. O-Town, baby. Yeah. You know, why, why are herp stories always the best, though? It's those herping stories, those out in the wild and the, the booties of Florida are the best stories. Yeah, well, that's it's it's classic. It's what Steve Rinella always says, is that no one ever says, hey, remember that time we went to that theme park and we went on that roller coaster and nothing bad happened, it was just a good day? No. They talk about the herp story or the hunting story where – you slid down the mountain, you know, broke your ankle, almost died, had, almost died, got chased by bears, and you know, got pooped on by a vulture. That's hey, the good story, you know. Yeah, my 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 favorite herb story. I don't know. I got lots of them, but I, I do think the 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 one that was pretty epic was when the 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 big Black Hawk helicopter landed in front of my car with the automatic rifles and told us to put our hands on the dashboard so that where was, was where was that i never told you i've told in you. our neighborhood i don't remember that story <laughs> did we know each other when that happened i was in palm beach so i would assume so i well then definitely when did this happen uh years together but sometime in palm beach when i was i was building the frog watch exhibit at the front of the zoo. Okay. So probably in like the 13. Okay. Okay. Years, All 12, right. 13, and uh, we were out collecting uh, leopard frogs and pig frogs and cricket frogs for the exhibit. Yeah, but where, where were you? <laughs> Are you at liberty to say? Uh, yeah, it was, um, what was that? Not flying. But, uh, yeah, Flying Cow. So you hit a helicopter land on Flying Cow Road? Yeah, I did. That's hilarious. One, one of the cops was was comical and, and kind of went with the flow, and the other one, I think, was really pissed. <laughs> um, why, did, why did they stop you? Did they say why? We were out at the cane, we were in the cane fields and all that, and way at the end of the road, and like, yeah. we go out there, and uh, we were. Uh, <laughs> 
I had some very green new interns with me that I said, nothing crazy ever happens on these. Don't you worry. You should come out with me and say, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come, come on out to this dirt road where we always go. Nothing ever happens and we'll catch some frogs. And then that happens. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's exactly what happened. And of course, You'll understand how my brain worked. But basically, the story is we were out in the end of Flying Cow. We'd been out for a few hours. It was late. It was probably 12-1. And we'd had a pretty productive night frog-wise. I had a trunk full of, cooler full of leopard frogs and different frogs. And uh, I uh, had at least three other girls in the car. One still had her PetSmart uniform on, which is great. Because she was, she had come with us, and it was two other girls. One was a roommate, and one was, uh, they were all keepers or interns at the Palm Beach Zoo. And uh, we were all out there, and, you know, I was the senior experienced, you know, mentor of the group. Of course, of course. How, how good this is, and, you know, nothing crazy or illegal ever happens. Um, and I saw helicopter circling which happens out there in the cane fields quite frequently and usually as long as you're not doing anything crazy or dragging drag racing or anything like that they're not going to mess with you and what's funny is i had recently heard a story of somebody this happening to and i was like well that never really happens it's probably bullshit and uh so we're out there and i see it circling and i'm like huh it's still circling and i noticed the spotlight getting a little closer to my car and I was like, all right, well, we got to, I, I kind of told everybody to like not grab anything and just kind of get in the car and we're going to just start driving slowly. Call your lawyer. Yeah. And uh, the, the helicopter literally circles one more time and goes about a hundred feet in front of my car and lands. And I go, okay, then well, we'll just stop. Yeah. <laughs> And like two of the girls in the back are freaking the app out. Like they're panicking, like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And of course me, I'm already laughing. I'm laughing hysterically in my mind, <laughs> apparently. And they come automatic rifles pointing at us. They come out. One guy says, that is a bright light in the head, in the windshield. I can't see anything. And they're like, put your hands on the dashboard. Put your, don't move. You know, let us, we, we can see you. And the one cop comes up and he's like, why were you driving so slow? And I was like, because you were circling my vehicle, I thought speeding off would be bad. So I just drove <laughs> like under 20 and was just kind of meandering down the road. In my mind, mind you, sidebar, while the helicopter was landing, a little baby alligator was crossing the road in front of me and it took everything in me not to jump out and play with it. But I knew that wouldn't help my case. Of course, so of course. <laughs> I was like, oh, look at the cute alligator. Oh, still keep driving. Okay, fine. <laughs> but uh, he was he asked me, he's like, what's in your vehicle? What are you doing out here? And I was like, honestly, I'm catching frogs. I work for this and such and such zoo. And he's like, I don't believe you. And I said, <laughs> you're profiling. I was like, do I look like a criminal? I yeah, mean, a car full of girls all in polo yes. shirts. You know, yeah, exactly. with a trunk full of frogs. They're up to no good. <laughs> well, I do have a snake hook and a headlamp, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> but uh, he's like, well, I'm going to search your trunk. I'm like, okay, sir. Well, if you let the frogs out, you have to catch them again because I need these. <laughs> and he started to giggle. And he opened one of the coolers. And he's like, oh, 
you were serious. I was like, yes. I no, that would frogs be are code for coke. Yeah, I was like, is this a code like for smuggling people? I don't, I don't know. And he told his buddy in the helicopter, and that guy just kind of like huffed at us and like walked away with his gun and just got. And the other guy just started asking a million questions about frogs and what we were doing and thought it was the coolest thing. And we watched the helicopter take off, and I let my friend change her pants, and we were all good. <laughs> nice. I never heard that story. I can't believe I never heard that story. Uh, I thought you'd do that. That was a good one. Yeah, that was a really good story. That was that was a fun night. That that road was always a good time. I thought all kinds of things on that road. Nice. Oh, some of the nights at Strickley's, those were some fun herping nights, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like a pot full of uh, fire belly toads. That was a good one. <laughs> That's awesome. Eight fire belly toads in that little like water pot, little like little hole. I think it's where like the gutter drains or something, and there's like water that comes up out of the ground in the middle of the yard. And like there was like eight fire belly toads just sitting there. That's crazy. <laughs> I was like, all right. Oh, jeez. Florida. Florida. Yeah. It's Florida, baby. What you're going to find. Well, we're at the two-hour mark. And and this has been a great show. So can people find you places on the interwebs? Um, Sure. I I do have an Instagram and Facebook, but I'm terrible at social media. So this is my first ever podcast or anything. Oh. Oh, man. Yay. So yeah, I mean, I can I can try to pay attention more to like things like Instagram. I hear people do that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the trending thing. Yeah, what's it your uh, what's your Instagram tag? Uh, Ks Viridis. Nice. It's nerdy as all get out. That's it. Oh. So, well, glad that you came on. Yeah, some awesome stories. Good time. Enjoyed it. Yeah. Miss, miss herping. I haven't been able to go. I don't know many areas around here to go. So you got to get on that girl. Yeah. Well, you should come visit me, and we could go searching. I know. I was planning on it. I was going to get a Disney annual pass. All my friends were like, "Come on, get the annual pass. You know, come to Disney with us." And I was like, "All right. You know what? I'm a Florida resident. I might as well do it." And I go to do it, and this thing called um. Uh, what's it called? Uh, a pandemic. That's right. Pandemic yeah. happens. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the happiest place on earth, man. Nothing bad yeah. happens there. No, no mice for me. Not till yeah. this thing's over. So. Yeah. He just wants to get his picture taken with all the princess ladies. A hundred and ten percent. Can I just ask real quick? Where are you out of, Justin? I'm in Beaufort, South Carolina. Okay, where where is that? <laughs> That's right on the in the very bottom corner, like right over the Georgia border. I'm like 45 minutes from Savannah. Okay, cool. About an hour from Charleston, down the coast. I saw the sign behind you, so I was thinking it was South Carolina. <clears throat> yeah. So on the map, eh, I'm struggling, Phil. Remember, <laughs> it's backwards. It's backwards. I'm about here. Okay. Right on the like the nipple of the state. All right. Cool. Good to know. Yeah, he's he's four hours from Daytona. So yep, about okay. three hours from Jacksonville. I drive through South Carolina quite frequently. That's my in-laws and stuff are all up in North Carolina. So 
Yeah, it's like it's basically like Hilton Head. Hilton Head's like thirty minutes away. Yeah. Still yeah. considered the county I live in. It's just the south part of the county. So cool. It's cool. Awesome. Yep. Well, it was nice talking to you. Country. Yeah, we're glad you came on, girl. It's been too long since we uh caught up. So Yeah, yeah. It felt like almost Daytona. Like that kind of talk. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So Daytona's gonna be a blast this year. It's gonna be awesome. You and the fam gotta come out. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Well, the show was brought to you by Steve Snakeshuary, his Venom Hot Sauces, and MB Cages and Exotics. So you need to hit up both of them if you need hot sauces, which I mean we all do. And cages and racks, which we also all need. Which so. we all do. Yeah. This has been episode 121 of THP, which is part of the Herpeticulture Network. We will see everybody Monday at 9 for Snakes and Stogies 75. 75. Dude, we're catching up to the THP episodes fast with Snakes and we Stogies. We are. We are. It's crazy. Doing a bang up job. I love it. So if anybody has anything they'd like us to cover on Snakes and Stogies, feel free to message us, message me, message Phil. And uh, we always need stuff to talk about because we're always. running out of ideas. If we're being <laughs> honest. <laughs> I wasn't going to go that far. I got a few tricks up my sleeve. That's why lately I've been like, Phil, think of stuff. <laughs> I'm all out. We're good. I finally got my Zippo insert for the, yeah, the Zippo. That. Yeah. It's like the best so, insert for Zippo ever, man. It's the best insert for Zippo ever. Worth so, the extra money. Can't wait to use it on air. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, everyone have a good evening. Thank you for listening and or uh, watching Monday night. We'll talk to you later.